0: And waiting.
1: Downfield deep and straight away. Back to the line. And there we back to the same. It is good. He is uh... They are very deep. They play in the ball. Backs aligns and fires. Big Mac.
0: Swing. Uh... And a
1: shot into the corner. It might make it. There it is. 62.
0: Well, the tying run is at second. The run that would win the World Series is at first, and Joe Carter is the batter. Now the 2-2. Well hit to the line. To Edgar Martinez down. A fastball, swung on, hit the deep center field. Man, I just love that video. Don't you love that video? It just, you know, I don't even like baseball. i got to just be you know, honest with you guys right off the bat here. Um, Joe Cross in the back in all access, he tells me I just don't understand it, and my dad loves it. I'm not a huge fan, but what I am a huge fan of is home runs. There's something there's something about, man, just taking that bat, crack, you hear that crack, and it just flies over the center field wall. There's something about that, and I don't know about you guys, But I think that all the guys this month have hit home runs. Don't you think so? I do have one complaint. One complaint. So before Matt's message, we're picking on Matt. Tyler picked on Matt last week as well. And he's not here in Gulf Breeze, so I can say anything I want today. Um, Before Matt's message, remember Matt talked about Kill the Spider, right? And he had Mr. Fuzzy, I think that was the name, or something like that, up here on stage. And... um, I told Matt, I said, that's great, but you know what would be even better? Your message is called Kill the Spider. So get 30 spiders, let them go in the auditorium, and then people can stomp them out. Kill the spider, right? Something about that he didn't like. I don't know, and maybe you guys wouldn't like that either. So anyway, so my name is Ben, and I have the privilege of leading the Gulf Breeze campus here at Momentum Church. Thank you. Thank you. And I was thinking back at my time here at Momentum and thinking back when I first started serving. and I filled out a connection card just like many of you have done and many of you need to. And um, I turned it in and Chuck Kimball called me. And Chuck says to me, man, I want to get you on a serve team. Tell me about yourself. I said, well, Chuck, you know, I'm quiet. I like to be behind the scenes. I'm kind of an introvert. So that's my wheelhouse. So do something with that. So what does God do? He puts a microphone in my hand. He has me on stage just about every Sunday doing Next Steps, and now to preach to you guys. It's all gone. But there's really really a lesson in that for all of us today with this message, and and that is that God equips the obedient, okay? He doesn't necessarily call the equipped. He equips the obedient. He calls you, and he he will fill your tank, whatever that tank is. So before we get into the message, I do have one quick confession to make. I didn't want to do this topic today. I really didn't. So, in fact, I had a whole other message almost done. I would written. It was on prayer. You guys would have left here. You would have felt good. you have been like, man, that was awesome. Like, well, I hope you would have said that. But it was, it was a warm and fuzzy message. It would have equipped you to um, increase your prayer life and that sort of thing. But as I got prepared for Haiti... I gave this talk or a version of this talk in Haiti, and I had Tyler um, look over my notes, and I said, and Tyler gave me some feedback, and he told me something. He said, he said, Ben, I think our church needs to hear this, this message. And I said to myself, man, I don't want to preach this message because I'm going to step on a few toes today. This is not a tickle your ears message. This is a, a, a message that I hope actually convicts a lot of hearts, mine included, okay, and um, in fact, we prayed that way behind st- backstage here before we got started. Yeah. So, um, if you don't like the message today, blame right. Tyler <laughs> McNeely. <Mignoli. laughs> so, in addition to being on staff here at Momentum, I have the uh, privilege of being a cardiologist, and I practice over here at Gulf Breeze Hospital. And um, I was making rounds one day. And, you know, as many of your careers are, your jobs are, things get hectic, right? And so I was making rounds, and, you know, I try to squeeze things in. I try to do this and that, and especially in the mornings, people are calling. They want this done. They want this done, this echo red, whatever. And I had this consult to go see. In fact, this guy, he was 25 years old. I consider him a kid that I'll kind of tell you how old I am. Um, many of you guys would fit that category. I saw this kid, and when I looked at his chart, I was like, you know, I don't even really need to see this guy, I don't think. But, you know, I got consulted, so I go see him. He's not that sick. And I walk in the room. And as soon as I walk in the room, I felt conviction. I felt strong conviction. And that conviction was to share the gospel with him. I felt like God was saying, he doesn't know me, and he needs to know me. And I said, I argued with God. you guys ever argue with God? (laughs) Yeah, I do. I admit, I do it all the time. So I argued with God. I was like, I don't have time for this, God. I've got to do this and this and this and this. But I couldn't get rid of that conviction. So I did. I shared the gospel with him. He didn't want to have anything to do with it. He stiff-armed me. In fact, I'll never forget, he said, man, I used to go to church with my grandma as a kid, and I quit going. I don't need any of that stuff, you know. And we never push the gospel on anybody, okay? Like, you know, we don't ever try to force anybody into a decision. Never. We, we approach it with love. And so, you know, I talked to him. I asked him some questions, that sort of thing. Okay, fine. So I left the room, got done with the consult, thought, okay, I'm done. I was obedient, right? Next day, making rounds, go see him again. Walk in the room, I felt that conviction again. I'm like, God, weren't you here yesterday? Like, I did that. I did that already. And it's like, no, God was just convicting my heart. He's like, do it again. Go again. Go again, like Tyler's message last week. Go again. So I did. Second day, nope, don't want to have anything to do with it. Went to church as a kid, I'm done, I don't need it. He said he was a good person. Right. So I was like, "Okay, God, you know, and uh, we talked about it and I left the room. And I remember thinking there's a verse in the Bible, a passage in the Bible that talks about shaking the dust off your feet. If they reject you, shake the dust off your feet and move on. I remember thinking that as I left the room. Third day, go see him. He's about ready to go home. Everything's good. You know, I'm like, you're done with your heart's fine, that sort of thing. And I walk in the room and wouldn't you know it. God's like, do it again. Really, God? Do it again? Shot me down twice. I didn't even know how to bring up the subject, you know, tactfully, right? (laughs) But something had changed. Something had changed in his heart overnight. And I don't know what that was, except that it was the Holy Spirit. I don't know how it got convicted. And we talked. We went through some scriptures. I answered some questions. And ultimately... He accepted Christ that day. And then about three hours later, he suddenly died. He died. Totally unexpected. Nobody could have predicted it. Totally unexpected. We did everything we could. We couldn't save him. He died. And I think to myself, I think... What if? What if I wasn't obedient? What if I didn't share the gospel with him that day? What if I said, God, I don't have time for this. And trust me, I'm here to tell you, I do that sometimes. We all do. But that day, I think about that, and that haunts me in a good way. That haunts me in a good way. That what if? What if? Because we know as Christians... We know as Jesus' followers that if he had not accepted Christ, he'd have been in hell, not in heaven like he is today. His name is Stephen, and he's in heaven today because of the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, so, and and I think, you know, as as a physician, as a doctor, I get the chance sometimes to intervene and save a life. And believe it or not, it doesn't happen that often. It's not that dramatic. It's not like TV, okay? It's pretty rare, actually. But when I do that as a physician, that gives somebody maybe five years, maybe 10, 20, 30. If they're really young, 50, you know. But when you share the gospel, and that power is within every one of you, when you share the gospel, that has the power to save an eternity. That has the power to save an eternity. So that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about fishing. Fishing for people, we're going to talk about sharing the gospel, we're going to talk about sharing the love of Jesus with the intention to pointing, pointing them to the one who saves. That's what we're going to talk about today. Now, before we get started, you know, talking about evangelism is, is kind of like a mosquito in a nudist camp. You don't know where to start, right? There's, <laughs> there's a lot you could unpack with evangelism. But I do want you to go to the Bible app. So if you have your phones, go ahead and take them out. Go to the Bible app. And, and go to more events in the Momentum Church. I have a ton of notes in there for you guys. A ton of notes in there for you guys. You can follow along and you can save it. Please save it because there's a lot of information here today. I want you to be equipped and want you to take that home. And you know, by the way, this is for everybody here, okay? So I realize that some of us here are not believers. Some of us here are for the first time. This message is great for you because it shows you how much God loves you. How much God loves you. And so as we get into it, I want to start with what is evangelism? What is it? You can describe it in a lot of different ways. And ultimately, when you boil it down, evangelism is an act of love. It's truly an act of love. In Matthew 22, Jesus is asked by these Pharisees, these really religious people, they're trying to trip him up. And and he's asked, he's like, what's the most important commandment? Now, you've got to understand there were 613 laws and commandments that Jews were supposed to follow. So they're asking Jesus, what's the most important commandment? And Jesus boiled boiled it down very simply. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and, and love your neighbor as yourself. So guys, here's what I'm here to tell you today, is that if we truly believe what we say we believe as Christ followers, as Jesus followers, as Christians, if we truly believe what we say we believe, and that is... That when we die, our soul goes one of two places, heaven or hell, and the only way to heaven is through Jesus, then fulfilling that great commandment has to involve evangelism. This is for everybody. Stephanie told me right before um, we started here about Riley. Riley, how old's Riley now? Ten. Ten, ten years old. Riley shared the gospel with her friend in the car yesterday. So if Riley can do it, we can all do it right? This is for everybody. This is for everybody here. So, and if that doesn't convince you, you know, Jesus gave us parting instructions. Jesus gave us marching orders, if you will. And, and this is recorded in several gospels. And I'm going to, sh- I'm going to pull out Mark and, and Matthew's account for it. Mark, I love the gospel of Mark because it's very straight and to the point. Like he doesn't mess around with a lot of extra words. He just, you know, goes straight to the point. And here's what Mark in six, Mark 16, 15 says, now, to set the stage, this is the end, okay? So Jesus has done his ministry, he has died, he's risen, he's, he's come back to his apostles, he's eaten fish with them, and he's ready to ascend to heaven, right? And so these are his last words. It says, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. He's speaking to his disciples. Disciple means follower. And so if you're a follower of Christ, he's speaking to you. He's speaking to me. He speaks to Riley, and obviously she's listening. In Matthew uh, 28, i want to start with verse 18 because this one unpacks it a little bit more. And this is really the text for today. So Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority on heaven and earth. And what is he saying there? He's saying, look, I'm the boss. I'm God. You've seen me raised from the dead. I'm in charge. Listen to what I have to say. He's saying it because it's so important. And the next word, it says, therefore. So he sets it up. He says, I'm in charge. You better listen. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So how can you make a disciple? They can't become a disciple unless they hear about him. They can't become a disciple unless they hear about him. This is what's known as the great commission. Another word for commission is command. Another word for commission is command. It's not the great advice. It's not the great suggestion, it's the great commission, the great command. These were Jesus' last words before he ascended into heaven. And the last thing you tell somebody is usually pretty important, right? If it's it's on somebody's deathbed or you're you're going off in Navarre, you guys going off to uh, uh, a deployment, you're going to tell your family the things you really want them to know before you leave, right? And that's why the title of this message is The Last Word. These were Jesus' last words. Now, you would think that as Jesus followers, if Jesus gave us this crystal clear command, this crystal clear commission, you'd think we'd be really good at it as a church, right? But we're not, and I think we all know that. I think we all know that. We're not. We're not very good at sharing the gospel. So let's get honest, guys. There's nobody here but us. Let's get honest, Navarre. Let's get honest, Blackwater. Even online, let's get honest. Go ahead and raise your hand if you have ever struggled with evangelism. And my hand's raised right there with you. Okay, my hand is raised right there with you. And that might be that, might be that you don't even know that you're supposed to do it. Okay, well, that changes today. Or maybe there's fear. We're going to get into all that. My hand is raised with you. The honest truth is that most of us are not very good at it. And they've actually done studies to show this. They study everything, right? So they've done studies to show this in the United States. Um, 95% of Christians have never led someone to Jesus. 95% of us have never led someone to Jesus. Another study, even worse, is that 98% of us don't ever even try. We don't even try. And the worst statistic that I thought about, or that I think is the worst, is that 80% of us never even talk about our faith. So talking about our faith, that just means, hey, I go to church here, right. or I, you know, I do believe in Jesus. 80% of us don't even do that on the regular. Yeah. That's got to change, guys. Yeah. That's got to change. And, and I don't, these are nationwide statistics. I'm not talking about momentum. I don't know what our statistics are here, um, but I suspect they're pretty close to the same. And we want to change that here. We want to change that today. Our job is to tell them. Yes. Our job is to tell them. That's, right. That's it. What part of go do we not understand? What part of go and tell do we not understand? So this is the message in a nutshell. Save people, tell people. Right. Say it with me, guys. Save people, yes. tell people. Tell, turn to your neighbor in Navarre, Blackwater, save people, tell people. Because eternity, eternity hangs in the balance. The eternity of your friends, the eternity of your family, the eternity of the people that you work with hangs in the balance. So what does this look like in the real world? Real world, We're going to get into it. We're going to cover that. I'm going to equip you today. I'm going to give you nuts and bolts here. We're going to talk about the what. We're going to talk about the who. We're going to talk about the when, the how, and the why. But first, I want to dive into why are we so bad at it? Why are we so bad at it? So we're poorly equipped, Right? We're poorly equipped. We're going to change that today. The second thing is lack of delighting in the Lord. What does that mean? Let me tell you about the Shed Barbecue, okay? There's this barbecue place between here and New Orleans, right off of 10. It's called the Shed. And we went there, and I thought, I don't know if I was just starving that day, but I thought that was the best barbecue I've ever had in my life. If Doug Jolly's in the crowd, he's going to disagree with me, but that's okay. I thought it was the best. And you know what I did? I came home and I told everybody about it, right? I came home and I said, Pastor Tim, we've got to take the team there. It's yeah. awesome. I told people at the hospital, I was like, this is the best barbecue ever. That's delighting in something. Yeah, right. When was the last time you delighted in the Lord to talk about him that way? <laughs> I think the biggest thing, though, that keeps us from sharing the gospel is fear. We're going to overcome that today. There's three common fears that happen when you share the gospel. The first one is not knowing enough. You don't. I don't. Nobody does. Only God knows all the answers, and we're not God. So you don't have to worry about that. You don't know all the answers. It is okay to say, I don't know. That's a great question. Let me get back to you on that. It's okay. It's all right to do that. You don't have to know everything. The second fear is fear of failure. Well, I want you guys to leave today knowing you can't fail. If you're obedient, you simply cannot fail. What do I mean by that? Well, our job is not to save them. We don't save anybody. We don't save anybody, right? God does the convicting. God does the saving. We do the sharing. So your job, my job is to share. So if you share the gospel, if you're equipped And you do that, whether that's with your friends over a time of years, or that's on a plane in an hour. You're successful. Okay, so you cannot fail if you're obedient. That's it's as simple as that. Our only job is to is to share. The biggest fear I feel like is the fear of what will this person think of me if I identify with Christ? They think I'm weird. They think I'm a Jesus freak right? What will they think of me? And I'll, I'll be honest with you guys. I struggle with this. I do. I struggle with this. And this question really, really hit home for me. And I think it'll hit home for you too. And that is, do you love the approval of people more than the approval of God? Do you, do you love the approval of people more than the approval of God? See, we need to love those who don't know Christ more than we love ourselves. Right. Save people, tell people. Right. So let's get into it. Let's get into some nuts and bolts. So what? What are we sharing? What are we sharing? We are sharing the gospel. Okay, what is the gospel? Well, I'm so glad you asked. So I, saw, I found this mnemonic. Um, if they could show it up on the screens. This is, this, I really liked how it, it um, unpacked it. And it uses the word gospel, G-O-S-P-E-L and uses it to show us um, each step of the gospel. And G is for God, okay? God created us to be with him, okay? Adam and Eve, Garden of Eden, right? Adam and Eve, Garden of Eden. It was supposed to be awesome, but then our sins separated us from God, right? Our sins, my sins, your sins, Adam and Eve's sins. And then here's what's really important. Sin, the S, sin cannot be removed by good deeds, this is the number one thing that you will find if you sh- when you sh- start sharing the gospel yes. is that people will say, well, I'm a good person. Right. I'm going to go to heaven. doesn't work that way. It's not in the Bible. Right. It's right. not in the Bible. Yes. You cannot be good enough to earn your way to heaven. P, paying the price for sin, Jesus died and rose again. It's all about Jesus. Yep. Everything is about Jesus. E, everyone who trusts in him alone, and that word is key, alone, has eternal life. Not Jesus plus something else. Not Jesus plus good works. Not Jesus plus church attendance or Bible reading. Jesus alone has eternal life. And then L, life with Jesus starts now and lasts forever. That means eternity. So that's the gospel. That's what we're sharing. We're going to get into the scripture behind that at the very end. Who? Who do we share this with? Literally everyone. Okay, literally everyone. Very simple. Well, what if I'm scared? Go and tell. What if? Ooh, what if they've got piercings here? They've got piercings here. They got big tattoos. You know, what if they're cussing and smoking? Go and tell. Go and tell. What if they're a different religion? What if they're Muslim? Oh, I don't want to. I don't want to push my beliefs on them. If done right, especially if done right. You're not pushing anything on anybody. You are throwing them a lifeline. Okay? You are throwing them a lifeline. Well, what if they're, what if they're atheists? What if they're atheists? They can't get any more dead. Right? So as a, as a young intern, I thought um, one of the scariest things you do is run a code blue. That means somebody's heart stops, they stop breathing, and they're dead. And you're trying to bring them back to life. Right? That's a scary thing. And an attending told me once, he said, they're already dead. You can't hurt them, right? You do it right, and you have success, but you can't hurt them. So don't be worried about that. What if they're a horrible person? What if they're a murderer or a child molester or something like that? Well, no one, not you, not me, is good enough to go to heaven. And Jesus died for that person just as much as he died for you and me. When? When do you do it? You've got to be prepared all the time, all the time. Second Timothy 4.2 says, preach the word of God. Be prepared whether the time is favorable or not, whether the time is favorable or not. So I saw, and most of you saw, the best example of this that I've ever seen a few weeks ago when Ray preached his message. It's so good that I want you guys to go ahead and watch it again.
1: God bless me the other day. We're on a plane. I I don't have a great history with being on planes, right? Like, if you weren't anxious on a plane, most of and I had a great plane ride this time, but, like, most of the time, if you're not an anxious person, you would look at me and then get anxious. You're like, is something wrong? Because that guy's dying right now. I'm gripping the seat. Tears are coming down my face. I'm like, God, I thought you loved me, right? Like, and we're flying in the belly of a dragon at 500, whatever, like, miles per hour. It's insane, okay? But we're on a plane the other day, me and my wife and our family, and, and this guy starts this conversation. I'm not in my comfort zone. I'm just glad that I'm not freaking out. I'm holding a baby. It's really for her and my family that I'm not just bawling right now out of just like, <laughs> oh, hey, it okay? And I'm holding the baby, and he starts this conversation. And in the middle of the conversation, in the middle of my uncomfort zone, if that's a thing, God prompts my heart. There was this thing he said. And God said he doesn't know me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And he needs to know I love him. Yes. You're the guy. You're up. God, I'm in a plane.
0: <laughs>
1: I know you're, you're like you're here and there, but do you know what a plane is? It's a tuna fish can with wings. Like <laughs> I'm not. I'm not in my pleasure zone. I'm not in my comfort zone. But this man's life, his eternal life, his potential relationship with God is much more important and precious to God than how I feel right now. That's the facts. I got feelings, but that's the facts. And so we get in this conversation. I'm holding a baby. I'm in a plane. And we start doing this thing. And God's like, you got to go there. Because he doesn't know me. He has to know the good news. And so I'm like, can I sit next to you? If you're one of the people who don't like being on a plane, you also don't like standing up in a plane. You want the seatbelt on. Crossing over the aisle is like that lava game he played his kids. <laughs> Only real. okay? So, And I get over in the seat and I'm sitting next to him and we're talking and God's like, do it. Just so you know, it was 4th of July, and if you were outside, there's a lightning storm going on on one side and bombs going off in the air on the other. <laughs> I'm not in my comfort zone. But God's like, he is precious to me, Ray. And so thank God I got to the gospel. Clearly enough to where this man starts crying. I had a picture, but it's weird. It's two guys who have never met holding hands on an airplane. (laughs) Okay? I didn't know what was happening. She took the sneaky, Vanessa took the photo. But he's crying. He accepted Jesus as Lord that day. (laughs) Guys, we have to prioritize people over our pleasure. We have to prioritize people over our progress. I have volunteers that I love, but sometimes I wonder when they get the phone call from me, do they expect another to do or do they know that I care? And the day I was holding Lily, and and I'm talking about up to this point, I'm still working on this. God was like, they don't know, Ray. Business owners, do the people that work under you and work for you. Do they know that you care as, as a person? Not as some product they can produce. We have to prioritize people over our progress. We have to prioritize people over our program.
0: Be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. Such a great example. Such a great example. He pushed through so much. Push through so much, and that guy is going to be in heaven one day because of it. So let's get into the how, and this is a great time to take notes, but again, they're all in the Bible app. This is, this is going to be step by step to uh, equip you today to do it. And by the way, um, this message is going to be online if you want to go back and watch it and take notes again. Um, highly recommend that. So the number one thing you got to do is pray. Number one thing you got to do is pray. That's got to be the first. Pray for opportunities. Pray for sensitivity to the Holy Spirit to know, like Ray did on the plane. He got a conviction like I did with Stephen. Pray for those opportunities. Pray for boldness. Pray for wisdom to know what to say and what not to say. So start with prayer. And then we're going to go step by step, and we're going to learn from the Master. What did Jesus do? So we're going to go to John chapter 4, and we're going to go through verses 4 through 18. So to set the stage here, Jesus and his disciples were leaving Judea to go to Galilee, and, the, and verse 4, we'll pick it up there, verse 4 says he had, that's an important word, he had to go through Samaria on the way. Why did he have to go through Samaria? I mean, he's God, he can go do whatever he wants, right? But why did he have to go there? See, what you got to understand is Jews and Samaritans, they butted heads. Think Crips and Bloods here, okay? They did not like each other. They did not want to be seen together. In fact, the normal route took them way outside around around Samaria so they could avoid it. But he had to go through Samaria. The disciples thought he was crazy um, for a number of reasons. It tells us later in the text. So why did he do it? He had to because he had to meet that woman at the well. Because he had compassion for her. And he went to her. And that takes us to step number one. You go to where the lost are and have compassion for them. That's got to be number one. Number one, we are called to be fishers of men and women and children. What's your fishing hole? Do you have a fishing hole? If you don't, you need to get one. This can be work. This can be school. This can be the gym. This can be the ball field. It doesn't matter where, but you need to have a fishing hole. See, we can't reach unbelievers if you don't have a relationship with them. We are called to infiltrate and permeate the world with the gospel. Yes. I love this story. So um, about a year ago, I had a cracked windshield, and Lloyd's Auto Glass came out to the house. They fixed it. It was awesome. He came in the house, and no relation, by the way. Um, he came in the house. He's doing the paperwork, and I took the opportunity to invite him to church and started talking to him about Jesus, and it became very clear very quickly that he loved the Lord. He was, he was clearly um, right with God, and in fact, He told me that he plays music. He's a musician. And so he takes the opportunity to go play at bars, regular bars, and he plays secular, regular rock and roll music. And then in between sets, he sits at the bar and talks to people about Jesus. That's what it means to have a fishing hole. That's what it means to go where they are. Do you ever drive to work wondering how many of the people that you see are right with God, are saved? How many of the people that you see are going to go to hell? Do you ever go to Walmart or Starbucks and feel that? That's what it means to have compassion for the lost. We're going to pick it up in verse 5. Eventually, he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? This brings us to step number two. You build a bridge, you don't burn one. You build a bridge, you don't burn one. Evangelism is building a bridge and letting Jesus walk across. Build a bridge from you to somebody else and let Jesus walk across. So what did Jesus do? He did two things that are out of the ordinary that got her attention and built a bridge. Number one, he's a Jew talking to a Samaritan. Number two, she's a woman. And in those days, men and women, they didn't talk. So this was completely out of the ordinary, and it spoke to her that there's something about this guy. So he built this bridge. You've got to show genuine interest in, in the other person. Ask them what they like to do. Connect with them. Ask them about themselves. Everybody's favorite subject is themselves. (laughs) If you don't believe me, i got one word for you. Selfie. Right? Selfie. Everybody's favorite subject is themselves. Find some common ground and don't lead off with condemnation. Jesus could have. He could have. The scripture tells us in a few minutes that she was not right with God. She was sleeping around. He could have come in and gone, you're a sinner. You need me. He didn't do that. He built that bridge first. You've got to be tactful. Tact is saying the right thing at the right time. I love this definition. Isaac Newton was quoted as saying, tact is making a point without making an enemy. And for goodness sakes, do not use Christianese. What do I mean by that? Don't go up to somebody and go, have you been washed in the blood of Jesus and sanctified by his faith? Don't do that. Don't do that. You'll lose them like that. Verse 10, Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you the living water. So this is step three. You swing the conversation to the spiritual. So he started with the natural. He said, just give me some water, right? And then he eventually swung the conversation to the spiritual. He referred to himself as the living water. So you always look for something. Ray mentioned it in his his talk there that there was something that guy said that cued him in, and he swung the conversation to the spiritual. Example of this from last week, I saw this guy in the office, and I was just talking to him, you know, getting to know him, it was the first time I saw him, and he said he was a car salesman. And I immediately remembered that Pastor Denny used to sell cars. And so I used that, and I said, oh, one of my pastors used to sell cars, and immediately made a connection, but I also mentioned the word pastor, that led to talking about church and jesus and he turned out to be in love with jesus so you know that was an awesome conversation um but that's what it means to swing this the conversation to the spiritual verse 11 but sir you don't have a rope or a bucket she said and this well is very deep where would you get this living water and besides do you think you're greater than our ancestor jacob who gave us this well i feel like she's got a little head bob going on you know (laughs) How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty, but those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. That's step four. Use your story. We all have a story. If you don't know your story, think about it and get it to the point where you can kind of say it in a minute, okay? Use your story. If you have been made right with Jesus. If you are saved, you've got a story of who you were before God, then God, and who you are now. My story is that I was far from God. I was an atheist. God wrecked me right here in this room, right in the back of this room, a little bit over five years ago, and now my life is completely different. Everybody has a story. Everybody has a story. Please, sir, please, sir, the woman said, verse 15. Give me this water, then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water. She doesn't get it yet. Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right, you don't have a husband, for you've had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. This is step five, excuse me. And this one gets a little bit uncomfortable. Okay? This is step five, and step five is you have to show them they need a savior. Yes. Okay? They have to know they need a savior before they're going to accept a savior. Right. If I walk into a patient's room that I've never met before, never had a discussion with before, and I said, All right, tomorrow we're going to open up your chest, we're going to stop your heart, put you on cardiopulmonary bypass, I'm going to take that old valve out, put a new one in, and you're going to be on your back for about a month. They'd be like, <laughs> Nope i'm out of here right you got to show them they need a savior and i always point it to me first i say i need a savior okay we all sin you have to show them they need a savior and jesus does that in this in the in the scripture here step six you walk them through the gospel so at this point you've gotten to the point where you built a bridge they have you've used your story they know they need a savior now it's time to walk them through the gospel now, there's a lot of different scriptures. In fact, you could do a whole series on all the scriptures that can be used in this. But you want to let the Bible do the heavy lifting. A few, a few things about this. When, when you do this, you want to have your Bibles marked. I have this one all dog-eared and marked up, ready to go. I also have it in my phone in case I don't have that. I have it ready to go. Have your gospel gun loaded. Have your notes ready. But I want to just briefly go over um, Romans Road. Real quick, this is a common one, Romans Road. If we can show that on the screens, that would be awesome. The first step is Romans 3.23. Everyone needs salvation because we all sh- fall short of the glory of God. Right. Jesus died for our salvation, Roman, Romans 5.8, but God demonstrates his love towards us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Next step, Romans 6.23, and this is all in the Bible app, by the way. This is all there for you, so don't, don't worry about taking notes like crazy right now. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 10.9, this is where decision point comes in. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And then Romans 10.13 hits the point that everyone, whoever calls on him shall be saved. And so that takes us to step seven. You ask them for a decision. You see where they're at. See if they're ready to pray to accept the Lord. So to help you guys, we've got a few resources, and they're on your seats, okay? So you've got homework to do, and you've got a gift, okay? So the first thing is this card right here. This card is blank, as you can see. There's nothing on it on, on five lines. What this card is for is to help you take it home, pray over it, and write five names of people that you know that are far from Jesus but close to you. Yes. Five names of people, and then pray for them, but then also commit to share Jesus with them. So that's your homework. And this is your gift. We've got a ton of these. So there's two on your seats. But please, if you want more, that's awesome. Take them with you. These cards have Romans 10, 9 on one side and then a sinner's prayer on the other and they've got some contact information for us. These are great because you can hand them to somebody. You can go over the scripture with them and then they have a way to get a hold of us if if they're not there yet. Okay. We also have like I said tons of notes in the Bible app. The message is going to be online and we here at Momentum and Pastor Tim believes in this so much that he actually wants to open up his house to train people. Okay? He wants to open up his house to train people. So if you're interested, and this is like, you know, higher level training. And you you don't have to do this, of course. And please don't say if I don't do this, I can't share the gospel. Everybody is equipped to share the gospel. Yeah. But if you want to, go out to the Connection 10 outside. We're going to take names and we'll be in touch with you. And so as I land this plane, I want, us to, remind, I want to remind us of the why. Yes. The why. Why is this so important? Well, God tells us to. Obe- obedience brings blessing, right, that we've established. God's primary way of reaching people is through other people. He uses us. He doesn't have to. He can do anything he wants, but he uses us. And I love this scripture, Romans 10, 14. It says, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? How can they believe in him if they've never heard of him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And if you continue to read in John chapter 4, you will notice that that woman, she becomes a great evangelist. She goes back to her town and she tells everybody, And the Bible says many people came to know the Lord. So if you've just given your life to Christ, if you give your life to Christ today, you can start today. You don't have to be a seasoned Christian. The most important thing, guys, is that you're dead without Jesus. The gospel has the power to save a life. If we really believe what we say we believe as Christians, we have to do this. Think about this analogy. If you were walking along and you saw a baby in a stroller on train tracks, nobody's around, and a train is barreling towards that baby, there is not a single person in this room that would just simply walk by and ignore that baby. It's time, guys. It's time that we have that same urgency for those of us that don't know Jesus, that have never accepted Jesus saved people tell people go ahead and bow your heads and close your eyes imagine with me imagine what it would look like if we all accepted this command of Christ what would our cities look like what would our schools look like our country our world what our families look like who here admits they can do a better job at spreading the gospel Just go ahead and raise your hand. You're not raising it to me. Mine's raised right there with you. Let's just keep our hands up for a second as I pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, thank you that you are always good. Thank you that you have given us clear direction as to your will. We admit that we have let fear keep us from your will. We admit that we have cared more about what other people think than what you think of us. Thank you. God, that you have chosen us to share the gospel. Today we commit to fulfilling your great command. We will pray for opportunities to witness and be obedient when they arise. Lord, thank you for using and equipping us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Go ahead and put your hands down. So I know that there are people here in Gulf Breeze, I know there are people here in Navarre, in Blackwater, and online who have never fully trusted Jesus. Jesus alone. What does that mean to give your life to Christ? It means you transfer all your trust, all your trust to Jesus. It means Jesus becomes number one in our lives. It's a conscious decision we make. Some of us have grown up in church. Some of us are really good people, but that doesn't save you. Going to church doesn't save you. Reading your Bible doesn't save you. Putting all your trust in Jesus and Jesus alone is the only thing that saves you. No one here is perfect. We've all messed up. And this is called sin. And sin has punishment, and that punishment is eternal death. Separation for eternity from the love of God. That's the bad news, guys. It's the bad news. But there is great news, and that is that God is not mad at you. He is madly in love with you. So much so that he sent his son Jesus to die and pay the price for my sin and your sin. He did that by dying on the cross. And now all he asks of us is that we put all our faith and trust in him and him alone and make him Lord. That means we don't only just accept the love of Jesus, but also the leadership in our lives. It means to give him the authority and him alone. that does not come without life change so if you have never done that and you cannot think of a moment in time that you have made this decision followed by life change I want you to pray with me today you don't want to wait Stephen didn't know he was going to die that day people die every day Pastor Tim told me a story yesterday of this horrific car accident on their way home from high school camp his tire blew In an instant he was gone we don't know how long we have but you're not praying to me or through me you're praying to God so God so church let's pray this prayer together to support those praying it for the first time Jesus I admit I've messed up and I'm a sinner I know I need a savior I accept your forgiveness and love I submit and accept your authority in my life. I give you my life. You are are my Lord. Now teach me how to live. In Jesus' name, amen. If you made that decision today, we want to celebrate with you. We want to put some resources in your hand, so I'm going to count to three, and we're going to go crazy, church, because this is just you raising your hand to God. We're not going to embarrass you. We're not going to call you forward. We're not going to put a microphone in your hand, so guys, let's pray for 10 seconds of courage. One, two, three.